Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Adela Marcy Unplugged. I'm your host with the mostest as always, Adela Marcy, and today I am pleased, beyond belief, believe me, uh, to have our next guest on the show, simply because they almost didn't make it, unfortunately, because they were, they were supposed to be scheduled a week ago, and uh, they're recovered now, but something happened. Uh, they're doing much well, and it's a true pleasure to have this person here. It's none other than Mr. Joe Williams. Now, for the people that don't know who Joe is, we're going to do his introduction in a minute. But real quickly, shout out to our sponsors. As always, the show is sponsored by AdelaMarcy.com. Head on over there. Subscribe to our podcast. Subscribe to our newsletter and ebook that we just teach you how to write stories and stuff uh, for your business. And also, we're sponsored by CreativePerformanceGroup.com, as well as JoeWilliamsOnline.com today. So go check out those sites. Get in touch with them. Uh, trust me, you will not be um, you will not be disappointed. I have to admit, like speaking to him a little bit before the call, it's like crazy how many connections we have. So just real quickly for the people that don't know who this uh, Banff of a human is, that's badass motherfucker who who doesn't know who don't know who this man is. This man spent a lifetime, in my opinion, because he's been doing it since I was born, which is slightly before. Uh, working in so many different areas, started out in financial services, what became a top performing salesperson uh, in the insurance world, then ended up being started a consulting company. You know, he ends up teaching people how to speak on stage. And one of those dudes that he ends up hooking up with and doing this thing with is Tony Robbins very early in his career. And it's incredible just all the stuff that comes out. I mean, I've completely butchered something or another, but like as the founder of um, Com- Creative Performance Group, Lately, he's helping people get their message out there. He runs speakers boot camps that have been running for over 15 years. And yeah, trust me, we're going to try and get as much as we can out of this call with him because it's incredible. So Joe, thank you again so much for doing this uh, and welcome to the show. Oh man, my my pleasure. If you, you are the hostess with the mostest, I'll, I'll be the, uh, I'll try not to be the guestest with the leastest. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we. I'm sure you won't be. I'm pretty sure we'll have a lot of fun on this show. We, but, we are. But yeah, like right. Just to continue the conversation we were having before we started out, like you were telling me, like, um, like of course I'm a huge fan of Gary Halbert. As long as so many yeah. more people that um listen to the show, because you know, business owners, if you don't know who Gary Halbert is, go look him up. Because trust me, that guy will change your business for the better. As always, no matter how great you think you're doing, he can always make it better. Um, and we were bonding over the fact that his son Bond, uh, you know him, and of course I know him quite well. We're quite good friends. Um, and you being basically the guy that owns the largest uh, library of Gary Halbert stuff outside of Bond and his son, his two sons, Gary Halbert's sons, Bond and Kevin. Yep. So I got a quick. I got to like really just jump into this. How did you go from being a top-rated salesperson and you know to to speaking? Like, how did you make that jump? Yeah, yeah. So, um, in a nutshell, here's here kind of what happened. I, um, uh, well, let me let me just be completely frank, since this is a uh, fly on the wall type situation. Um, when I was 15 years, well, started when I was 10 years old, but by the time I was 15 years old, um, let's just say my parents aren't very good at paying their taxes. Okay. And um, so they went to prison the first time when I was 15. And uh, so I had to figure out a way to support my my younger sister and I, and I worked, oh gosh, I think two weeks at a Domino's Pizza trying to deliver pizzas, realized real quickly that wasn't a path uh, to any kind of fortune and fame. And so I started a little janitorial service, ran that for a few years, that was a little bit better, 
And then a friend of the family came by one night and said, uh, you know, I think you'd be perfect for the wealth, uh, the wealth management business. We'll take you in. We'll teach you how to, how to uh, manage people's wealth and, um, and create wealth for yourself. And I thought to myself, wow, this is an amazing deal. They're going to teach me how to be wealthy. And I went to my first weekend of classes, thought to myself, well, when are they going to teach me how to be wealthy? They've taught me a lot about insurance. Uh, they've taught me a lot about, thought the same thing the second weekend. They taught me a lot about insurance and mutual funds and how to sell them. But that was it. So that's how I kind of got into, into, uh, into sales. And honestly, I ended up getting really lucky on a couple of um, penny stock tips which now in retrospect, I would not suggest anyone ever do. I invested my entire life savings in, into a penny stock. And um, I think I bought in at about nine cents a share and sold out at about 85 cents a share. And it was about, I think it was about 6,000 bucks at the time that I had uh, to, to invest. Uh, I had sold the, uh, the janitorial service and so I had some money. I put everything I had into this thing and it mushroomed. And I did the same thing the next year. And so um, I had some money on hand and I did what you did in those days. I invested in a telecom company. Uh, I had partners that knew it better than I did. We were a long distance reseller. And that's really where I met Gary. And uh, I was kind of the marketing arm um, of the thing. And um, I went to Key West and and, uh, and hung out for a weekend at, a, at an event and and, uh, and, and met Gary there. I met uh, Bond very briefly. I can't say as though he's a friend per se, but I met him very briefly and um, became a lifetime subscriber uh, to the Gary Halbert letter, which got you all the past you know, ep uh, uh, letters and then all the future ones. And a couple of years ago, I was going through a bunch of boxes and found them all and thought to myself, you know, these are probably worth saving. So I've got this giant library of audio tapes and Gary Halbert letters and all kinds of stuff downstairs. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. It was kind of a, it was kind of, you know, honestly, that's been, I got to say, I think that's been a lot of the story of my life has been right place, right time. But then also, um, you know, I really do believe our greatest resource is our resourcefulness. Yep. And, uh, it, you know, it's not time, it's not money, it's not contacts. Those all help. But just raw creativity, imagination, um, the ability to, 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 to find something out of nothing has kind of been the story of my life. Yeah, that's incredible. And I always find that people that kind of become entrepreneurs have that same drive um, or even it's people that become successful no matter what they do it doesn't have to be business yeah. but like my definition of an entrepreneur is someone that goes after a worthy ideal very similar to what L. Nightingale used to say about success but I say it's entrepreneurship yeah. someone that goes after a worthy ideal and attains it or strives in the path of attaining said dream they yep, yep. are an entrepreneur because an entrepreneur is someone that brings value and greatness to what is already here like add more it, it, to it. It's uh, I like to think of it as taking the invisible and making it visible. Exactly, I love At that. Very, very simplistic terms. Um, I'm a I'm a 
I'm a simple kind of humble man and I like to keep things that way. So, you know, it's just taking that which does not exist yet and bringing it into existence. Sometimes, you know, kicking and screaming, but, uh, you know, hell, that's, uh, that's half the fun. Yep. And I love how you say sometimes. In my in, in my experience, it's been kind of like ninety percent of the time. It's kind of keeping us <laughs> it than that. It's like it <laughs> it's like trying to. Okay. The best analogy I can give for this is I have two cats, and uh, people on my show they've had one or two of them or both of them whenever like I'm doing a show. Now, I did hear that. <laughs> well, you've heard of them before. Wow. I I heard it with Ryan. Oh wow! Yeah, no, you had my cats in the background when the kids yeah, was yeah. on. So my boy Chase, who's recently got neutered, uh, so they're both quite quiet now, so they don't they don't uh, yowl so much. Um, I always put it this way: Chase is what success pe- is. What people think like people believe success is what I would describe Chase in a moving vehicle. You put him in, he's quiet. He gets from A to B. Comes out the box like great. I'm pretty. Everything's great. In reality, success for me is very much like my other cat, Luna, when you take her anywhere. It's screaming, crying, making your ears bleed, sometimes makes you want to crash the damn vehicle you're in just to shut them up. (laughs) But when you get to the other side, same result, still as pretty. Yeah, yeah. And I I found that having that kind of mindset really helps. And again, the the biggest thing in anything, as Tony, you, and everyone else has constantly said, every great success has said, mindset accounts for 80 percent of what you do resourcefulness in my opinion counts for about 60 60 percent of that 80 percent yep agreed totally agreed totally agreed um um you know meeting tony was the same same way i mean it we literally ran into each other in a stairwell uh when i was attending an event and for some reason uh we became friends and Quite honestly, first and foremost, um, that's our connection still to this day. Um, even though I worked with him for 20 years, 20 plus years, 24 years in some capacity, um, you know, our, our, our primary connection is still his friends. And, um, he's, uh, he's, 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 a, he's an incredible, incredible guy. And obviously he's been a big influence on my life. Um, we always had a, a deal when I was on stage with him that uh, I would use him as an influence, but I would bring my own style uh, to you know to the party, and um, it worked out pretty well. Wow, that's incredible. Now there is something I did ask earlier, but I'm going to bring it up again. Yeah, yeah. Mainly because like I'm probably the most curious person about this because um, right now where I'm at in my career, I'm kind of jumping towards. I know a lot of people are jumping towards this speaking on stage now i'm one of those yeah. weirdos that like for some very strange reason i've been gifted well quote-unquote gifted with a gift of the gab as uh zig ziggler used to say you kind yep. of get on stage I, I essentially don't have any notes i kind of get on stage and just wing it and it works out always how did you actually start getting put on stage because you went from being a salesman to being on stage if i yep. if remember correctly from what i've read what was the what was the like twenty well I guess it's twenty or eighty percent really that twenty percent mechanical action that got you there? Yeah. So w- what happened was you know I told you I I had a um, uh, uh, telecom company long distance reseller right. that I was a partner in. We went public when I was twenty six, and within six months I knew I'd made a mistake. Um, I am not cut out to sit in an office, wear a suit, and 
take a you know pay cut in my salary because the board of directors said that's what you should be paid. And so I took about two years to extract myself um, from the company to make sure all the employees found other homes, all the other salespeople. We had about 500 act- active salespeople at the time. We found them all homes uh, with other companies, uh, competitors uh, that would take them on. And uh, my daughter was born right around then as well. So I decided to take a year hiatus. And I have this process that I do about every six months, and I call it turning over rocks. And all that means is I call, um, you know, I don't email, I don't text. I'm still a little old-fashioned, I guess, that way. (laughs) I call everybody I I love, respect, and or would love to do business with. Um, And I call them up and I say, what are you working on? What are your goals? What's up for the next year? Um, a lot of times I'll do it right around the holidays and I throw at them every resource, every, uh, uh, bit of help, every advantage, every person, every contact, anything I can do to help them get where they want to go. And, you know, I mean, reciprocation obviously comes into play sometimes. That's not why I do it. Uh, but they'll ask me the same. And so I did that with a friend of mine who at the time was one of the top creativity experts in the U.S. Um, he's, he's still very, very well known. Um, but uh, this was 1998. And so if you can imagine in 1998 in the U.S., the amount of money that, you know, Internet companies were throwing yeah. at quote unquote off sites, you know, which were glorified ways of, you know, them going out and playing golf and and, and drinking and partying for three days, you know, brainstorming slash creativity slash whatever was an easy out. And so he had been hired just over and over again. And so I, I talked to him that year and he said, you know, I did like 300 days on the road this year and I can't do it anymore. My body just won't take it. So I'm not going to take any uh, uh, events that pay under $7,500 a day. And I was doing nothing, and I'd known him for almost 10 years, and I said, well, you ever thought of having somebody understudy you and teach your material and take everything you don't want to take? And that was how I got into the business of speaking. And um, it, was a, it, was a weird, uh, it was a weird jump because I never in a billion years planned, even though I had been speaking some I never planned on doing it as a profession. And um, it was all trial and error, hit and miss to learn. And quite honestly, I think that's why I started the, uh, you know, the speaker's boot camp is I realized, wow, I can shorten this painful cycle for people <laughs> uh, down to a couple of days and, uh, and, 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 and give them the absolute best, bring out their absolute best. But also, you know, let them know what to avoid and the mistakes that I made, uh, learn from those. So um, that was kind of how I got into it. And then uh, about a year later is when Tony asked me to start speaking for him. And uh, I led Wealth Mastery for 12 years. Um, I uh, uh, have basically led all of his events. I mean, I've, I've UPW, uh, uh, date with destiny. I spoke at for 10 years. Um, you know, I was head trainer of the company for a little overhead. Uh, I'm sorry, 10 years. I'm still actually officially senior head trainer. 
Um, and, uh, you know, it all kind of, kind of grew from there. And, and then my corporate stuff kind of came into play and that was its own monster. Wow. That's incredible. You've lived like one hell of a life, haven't you? Uh, well, when you start young, <laughs> yeah, as, as you know, you yeah. know, when you start young, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of room for, uh, for, for growth and, and, and everything else. I, uh, one of the things that's kind of funny about my corporate stuff was I found out I have some sort of weird, I don't know, I don't know if it's autistic or, or you know, what it is. It's like a, it's like a, it's like a weird uh, uh, ability to teach aerospace engineers how to speak, wow. which is an odd, you know, group of people to take on because they, you know, they sit in a, they're, they're not the best communicators in the world. They sit in a, a lab creating things and then they have to present it to you know a, another corporation's selection board or government selection board and they have to be able to speak and um, I found a home there and did that very heavily for about 10 years we helped our clients win it, it sounds like a crazy number and, and but I'll explain it we helped our clients win a little over 50 billion dollars in new business during that 10 years but our average uh, contract size was about five billion, ten billion dollars. Yeah, but so still, it doesn't that's, take, that's doesn't, an insane though. That, that's an insane yeah, amount of money though. It is, it is, it is. But it doesn't take too many of those wins, you know, to to add up to fifty billion. So I I agree. I mean, like just just as a side note, if you don't mind me saying, like it's the same thing when I tell people, like um, when I was actively writing to write response, I mean, you've got to get the. Um, complete numbers by the end of this year as well but we did something like i did in the last nine years uh, it came up to like 350 million dollars in confirmed sales from my work yeah yeah and a lot of people were like how did you do that was it like all through like campaigns and stuff i was like no sometimes it was just going into a company like one of my clients was doing eight million dollars a year it was incredible the problem yep. was they weren't using their list correctly. They weren't using direct response principles. And we just put together right. a package for them. That's all it was. Yep. Just a single package, mailed it to their big ass list. And we doubled their revenue for them. Like within yep. 12 yep. months, they made like 16 million at the end of the year. And they're like, how did you do that? I was like, honestly, we just made more offers. That's all it was. We yep. asked people to buy more things from you. And they said, yes. They're like, yep. th these are people who have bought things from us in the past. They've actually bought the same thing. It was like, I know. Because people, if they love you, they'll buy the same thing twice if they need to or because they forgot. And if they forgot and email you about it, then, hey, guess what? Refund them. But most of the time, people just want to buy from you. And they were a great company. So that was always fun. Now, there was something you know, you... one, Go on. one thing I love, I, I was just going to say, one thing I love about your material is, um, you know, I've always said since, you know, I met Gary, the the offer itself is often really overlooked mm -hmm. in its importance. Um, people get caught up, especially in the copy world, with the words themselves. And they never really take time to, to put together an offer that you'd have to be a fool to say no to. Exactly. Uh, and and so I, I really respect that in what you're doing. Uh, not to blow smoke, but... Oh, um, you know, it, it really, I think it's a very, very, very underrated, um, yet incredibly important part of any marketing campaign. I agree. Like one of the big things that I used to do as a checklist when I would actively recruit new clients and get them is I want to see how real they were because I want to yep. like, I used to ask them, send me a copy of your product. 
And they're like, yep. why? I'm like, because I want to go through it. Why? Yep. Because if it's shit, I'm not writing for you. Because yep, do you yep. know how hard it is to write for a shit product? I mean, um, the fact that this is the weirdest thing. Some guy who I'm not going to mention, they didn't have a great name online at the time. Still don't, unfortunately. Uh, they hired me. And at the time, I think I was like 19 years old, 20 years old. It was very early in my career. They paid me $5,000 uh, of an of a $8,000 contract. They paid me $5,000 to um, write a mail piece for them and get it approved by a affiliate company that was quite popular back then. And um, I couldn't do it because I tried to go through, through the product and it was one of those like point and click solution thingies. Right. Didn't work out too well. I spoke to the guys that worked at this affiliate company and said, yeah, they're on a blacklist because they're not, it's it's taking money and not doing anything. So I was like, so the thing doesn't work. They're like, no. So I tried it, didn't work. So I was like, okay. I very carefully, because the, the, one of my key rules is if you're going to end client proceedings, end with a smile rather than end with a bit of taste because they'll still refer business to you down the line. Absolutely. So I just said to him, hey man, listen, I'm going to come clean. I wrote the damn thing. It didn't get approved. Um, I can't rewrite it in a different way because it's just not, it's out of my wheelhouse. And you know what? Let's just call it a day. Here's the five grand back. Yep. I spent six weeks writing this thing. I mailed him back five grand. It's the first time I issued a refund to anyone. Um, wasn't the last, but it was the first time I did it. And um, I've only issued like six refunds in my entire career, but like I issued this refund to him for $5,000. It hurts. Not going to lie. It hurt like a motherfucker because I was like, that was the most money I've made ever uh, in a single payment. I mean, I'd made money before, but I spent it all like an idiot because when you're 19, 20 years old and don't really understand relationships with money, you burn through it like a madman. Yep. I kind of wish that, like, when I did do that, I really do wish I had stories like, yeah, I spent it on cars, hookers, blow, that kind of thing. In reality, I just spent it on, like, paying off people's debts and eating good food. That That's yeah. actually what I spent my money on. Like, <laughs> it's, like, one of those things you wish you could be like, yeah, so what you, I was 20 years old, I did, like, hookers, blow, the whole lot. But what did I really do? I just paid off my mom's debt. I paid off my, my debt. Um, and I started, like, trying to, like, look good and buy clothes and books and stuff and trying to up my worthiness like i'm worthy of this money while squandering it all like an idiot so it's always fun but my, <laughs> point, but my point is when i when i when i ended that relationship um they've referred like four or five clients since they've made me like 20 to 50 grand per yep. client and i'm like what i was like how did you hear me they're like oh so and so said that you're one of those guys that you're true to your word you've got a lot of integrity in what you do um and you're just a good guy. So that's what I wanted. I wanted someone that could sell, that could get into my voice, which you could do, and there's like 10 other people that could, but you're the only guy that had the integrity that we needed and wanted. So yeah, we're going to pick you every time. I was like, oh, great. So that works. Yay. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I, I got to tell you, I, from, you know, um, while, you know, while I kind of hang out around the edges um, now, I'm not, nearly as involved as I used to be in direct response. Um, I, you know, I do still sell on a day-to-day -day basis with speakers boot camp and our private events and, and other events, things like that. And, um, you know, I, 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 I stepped away from my time with Tony, um, two, three and a half, two and a half years ago. 
And uh, almost, yeah, two and a half years ago. No, no, three and a half years ago. Sorry, sorry. It's been a while. Um, And one of the reasons I did was um, that, uh, well, the primary reason were were, uh, my family. Uh, My daughter was getting ready to go off to college. My my son was hitting an age. uh, He was about 11 years old at the time where, you know, I know he needed his dad around. And um, I got married. I got remarried. And I didn't want to travel as much. You know, I didn't want to do the 200,000 mile a year you know, flying years and, and away from home all the time. That was the primary reason. Uh, but one of the things I decided was I started looking at a lot of the paradigms, um, that we'd been using in marketing and sales. And, um, you know, my, my first big event with Tony back in 1990, there was a guy who spoke on stage who at the time had just written a book and, um, it was, it was brilliant. His name was Robert Cialdini. (laughs) Um, you know, all the, 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 the six weapons of influence and we all know what they are, you know, reciprocity, Mm -hmm. scarcity, all of that. And, um, what's been interesting is I started really kind of moving away from those and almost in a way debunking them in the sales process. And the, um, you know, I know this is somewhat controversial. A lot of people argue with me over this, but I'm just saying it works for me. Um, I'm finding that the more I say, you know, the person says, hey, can I think about it overnight or talk to my spouse, as opposed to saying, no, it's only good right now, you know, blah, 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 the whole scarcity thing, false scarcity thing, or there's only three available when there's actually unlimited numbers. Um, what I've found is people are responding more to truth, yep. to realness, because their bullshit meters are so strong. Yeah, they can go online and find anything about you they want to find. And um, so one of you know one of the ways we combat that, uh, just for what it's worth, is we work with small groups uh, where you know the scarcity is not false. The scarcity is real. You know, there's only so many spots available uh, to work with us in any given year. And um, it lends itself very well to a higher ticket model, lends itself very well to complete realness, um, integrity. Uh, I'm not really a fan of the term authenticity, even though I'll use it. Uh, I find that the people that argue how authentic they are tend to be some of the most inauthentic people I've ever met in my life. Um, yeah. you know, it's, it's kind of like arguing about respect that, you know, you, you gotta earn respect. It can't be given. Well, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, simple manners to me say, give people respect until, <laughs> until they don't deserve it. Not the other way around. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a few things like that, that, that authenticity falls under, but realness, truth, truth, that's really the word. Um, that we all, I think, need to operate from, from a marketing standpoint now more than ever, because people respect the hell out of that. I agree and could not agree more. I mean, I've been noticing on Facebook more than anything, because like I've been starting to post more about like, well, a, a lot of people kind of know this now on my show, I hope. Um, but I was diagnosed with bipolar depression at the age of 14 after my yeah. fourth suicide attempt. I had three more after that, like seven suicide attempts throughout my uh, teens. 
Um, surprisingly, business saved me, and so did self-development at 18. But the big thing here was I'm starting to talk about it more, like how I'm having fear. Like, I have a high-end course coming out right now. Um, it's called Story Selling Blueprint, how to take your story and um, use it to sell. Because I don't nice. like the term storytelling, because that's not what yeah. we do. We story sell. We use our yep. stories to sell you. So that's... I came up with this title like two years ago and then everyone over the last two years has like used it. I'm like, God damn it. I wish I would release this product so long ago. Now I've been, <laughs> I've been sat on this program for about six, seven months now. Cause I've been wanting to create it. Things have come up in life, but the God honest truth of it all is it comes down to this fear of not being worthy, which is my truth, which is the truth is that I act out the way I do because I have a fear of powerlessness and a fear of unworthiness, which is why I, don't believe I can get things done. Uh, you know, someone can buy something from me from two grand. That's a product. Whereas I'm more than happy to charge someone a hundred grand to write for them. It's a really right. weird dichotomy. But what I'm getting back to is when you actually share that truth with people, it is incredible how many people flock to your site in your support. It's yep. one of the strangest things. And I, I agree with you. I don't like the term authenticity because the people that go out there and say they're the most truthful, most authentic, most whatever it is, seldom are they truly that. I mean, there's a exactly. few. I mean, yep. there's outliers. Like the people that say, I'm great at what I do. And you can tell the difference. If they're going around hopping, I'm the best, I'm the best, I'm the best, I'm number one, I'm number one, I'm number one. You're like, dude, that's bullshit. You're number five or number seven or number 205 on the list. Whereas if you say, look, I'm the best guy there is in, uh, to do this job. Yeah. And, they only, and they say it once with conviction, just once with conviction, the other person automatically kind of like goes, oh, that's true. Absolutely. And, and to add to your six points of persuasion from Dr. Robert Cialdini, I think now we've reached the point where there's a seventh law of of influence and that is again like you said truth yes if you use truth correctly and i say correctly because there are some people that'll take a stupid ass story embellish in bits they don't need to embellish and it will make them sound amazing and i've seen people do just that but when you actually combine real truth with real emotion and connect at a deep level it is unstoppable for a lifetime and that's I'm sure right you, i'm sure you've seen that no. Absolutely. And and you're also right. People come back. Um, I did an event uh, recently where one of the ladies raised her hand, I think on day three of a four day event and said, how many people in this room has Joe turned away before? And out of the, you know, again, my events are very small. Uh, so I can work with each person one on one out of, I think, 13, 12, 13 people in the room. Um, four people raised their hand and she said, why, why do you turn us away? And I said, because it's just not right for you at the moment. I know when it's good, you know, you're going to come back when it's right. And when it's right, then I'll make you an offer. And then, you know, if it's right, we'll do business. And, um, you know, that level of, I, I don't know about you. I don't want to be put into one more fucking email funnel. Yeah. Um, I don't want one more fucking sideways sales letter. Ugh. I, I talk to every single person that comes through one of my events. I talk to personally and at length, usually 45 minutes to an hour to make sure it's a fit. And if it is, I make an offer. Um, I have a, a actual, uh, uh, a process I actually go through and there's a point 
about halfway through that's a decision point. And it's my decision point as to whether or not I'm going to even make them an offer. Uh, to give you an idea, uh, I, I average about four out of 10 is all that I make offers to, to work with. Wow. Um, I don't measure close ratio. I measure offer ratio. Yep. Um, because I think it's the, you know, it's the, it's the, it's not the person you take money from, um, that, that you, uh, that, that causes you the most problems. It's, or it, it, it's not about, it's, it, it's the person you take money from that you shouldn't have that causes you the most problems as opposed to just saying, you know what, now is not the right time for you. Let me give you some other resources. And, you know, go read this book, go read that book, go try this place out, go try that place out. This person may be a better fit for you than me. Um, and uh, it kind of fries people's brains in a way. Um, you know, they're, they're not used to that, which uh, which I also kind of like. And, and as far as your bipolar, um, I'm dyslexic. And Same. so I've just had I've just had to figure out over the years, you know, it's a really uncreative person that can't spell a word five different ways tell me about it and the way i look at it and just for the people that are out there again dyslexic and have add in the slight same vein which is hilarious to me when people go what do you do for them like i'm a copywriter like but you're dyslexic i'm like yes yeah because my creativity is that um the way i look at it and my friend i think my friend alex Sharfan, if you're not friends with him joe i'll introduce you to because you two will get on okay. house on fire the guy's a great guy and so are you um and he's also a guest that's been on this show and him and ryan are really good friends now Yep. Um, what he said was he actually helped me uh, about two years ago with understanding my brain and how the processes work. He goes, the reason that you feel like you're bipolar is because of, um, a lot of entrepreneurs have that. And that's the label that's been stuck on to people that just think outside the box. We think very yep. differently. Now, yep. this is something that I can't confirm by science yet, but I'm actually working on it with my own brain. And that is, I want to, I'm measuring how much lithium dioxide I have now, I'm 27, I'm almost 28, what my lithium dioxide uh, is in my brain naturally, because I don't take any medication for it, uh, what is its natural range? And when I'm hitting that mania and downfall, because I you know, let myself get there, I want to measure it when it's its highest and its lowest. Because I have a theory that when you hit that high level of mania, what's essentially happening is your brain has run out of lithium dioxide. Yep. And it starts to expand out certain parts of the brain, thus pushing the emotional centers out. So you feel emotionally high, dopamine levels are flooding all over the brain, um, and your creativity, your spark, everything is at like a, at a peak because your brain is is expanding. Your brain is expanding outwards, so heating. It's it's creating this kind of unreal level of growth. Um, but when you actually go back to a regulated lithium dioxide level where they're replenished um, back to normal levels, that level of, um, that swell, so to say, in your mind starts to reduce right back down to its normal size. And because of that reduction in creativity, focus, and everything else, your brain is kind of being snapped right back to its normal size. It doesn't have time to process what's really gone on and thinks, I was happy, now I'm sad. Why do I want to kill myself? Because it's like it's missed this very slow regressive stage it's just gone from normal to progressive to extreme regression without any kind of like middle ground and i, I want to see if that has any effect on what people term as bipolar because i yeah. think it does 
Yeah, be makes sense. We'll see what happens. But now, one of the questions I really want to speak to you about more than anything is yeah. something that I've seen that I know you've gone through. We've all gone through this. What was the big key? What was the big key turn for you? Like that tipping point that really shifted it for you. I know we've spoke about it to a certain degree, but look, there has to be like a singular point where you went from okay, maybe I can do this, maybe I'm right to I've got this. What was that certainty moment for you? Oh wow, that's a good question because honestly, it really isn't just one. Um, probably uh, now that I think about it, but you know. So, you know, as I, as I mentioned, I mean, going back to the beginning, it was absolute need. Um, you know, when my, when my parents went off to prison the first time, they left me with $1,000 at 15 years old and, and uh, house in foreclosure and, and so forth. And I promptly took $600 of the $1,000 and, and went out with my friends and, and bought a couple of cases of beer, which you could in those days in Virginia. And, um, enough lumber to build a half pipe in the backyard. And that was the first thing I did after my parents left. And, um, yeah, obviously ran out of money very quickly. So it was very need based. Um, to a certain extent, you know, when I started speaking with Tony, it was like, all right, this, you know, this scares the hell out of me. Uh, as I said, I did it all through trial and error, learning how to speak. And, um, and I, I just, I like a good, I like a good, I like a good fight. Um, there used to be a, <laughs> there used to be a, a, a saying, uh, around the Robbins organization that, uh, uh, Joe doesn't come up to his absolute best in, unless there's a good fight on hand. <laughs> and, um, and that doesn't necessarily mean a physical fight, although nope. occasionally it did. Um, but, uh, but but there's there's got to be like a huge huge the 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 bigger the obstacle the bigger the challenge for some reason um and you know maybe it was just my my upbringing and and the way I started out uh, you know I I I just I rise and in, in that moment and um quite honestly that's one of the biggest things that I have to artificially create for myself now and, um, you know, because I, you know, I, I have an incredible life, a you know, beautiful wife and, and wonderful kids and the house and cars and all that good stuff. So I have to artificially create some fights sometimes with, within myself to, to, to rise to my absolute best. I am just, I guess, one of those people. Um, but, uh, that's really, you know, I think it, it wasn't just one tipping point. Um, you know, it was, it was, it's, it's a continuation, you know, um, you, you're, you're 27 getting ready to turn 28. I'm 47 getting ready to turn 48. So, <laughs> you know, if you can imagine 20 years down the road, um, you know, you, you gotta do some things to, to, uh, at times to, to create, um, fear to create, uh, wow, can I actually pull this off or, you know, fuck this. I am, I am fucking taking this out. Um, you know, that, that is what, that's what turns me up to a, you know, level 11. You know, what's really strange about that 
Mm. The reason I started laughing was like, oh dear God, I hope you are an epic foreshadowing of what my life is going to be like simply because <laughs> that, that exact sentence that what you say around Robin's institution about you is exactly what my friends say about me. They're like, there you was... want Adil to do anything? Give him a goddamn fight. Just give him there... a fucking challenge. Tell him you can't do something and there was... you'll see You'll see what happens. There was another saying, which is it, it isn't a show until Joe bleeds. Yeah, just to give you an idea. <laughs> I did a lot of bleeding and breaking of bones and things like that on stage as well. Oh my god! I I think because um, one of the things I actually do is I uh, I used to fight in Muay Thai and MMA, and now I just fight in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. Uh huh. And my friends have all said this one thing: they go, "There are only about three subjects in your life that, when you talk about them, your eyes light up like there's a madman behind the wheel just driving." I was like, "What yeah. is that?" They're like, "Number one is business." You love yeah. talking about business and stuff like that because you truly love helping people. Number two is family because you love your family. And yeah. Number three is fighting because nobody wants to fuck with you ever because yeah. when you get into that mood, you just want to stand there and be like, oh, like <laughs> my friends have literally said this to me. Um, I had a competition a couple of weeks ago. It's my first competition in 20 months. And uh, before I get onto the mats, before I grapple, I can't grapple with someone I like. Like, if I talk to you, it's like, oh, hey, Joe, nice to meet you. And we right. go on the mats to fight. I don't care if it's the World Championships. I'm not going to want to hurt you because I'm like, yeah. that's Joe. He's my friend. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. My friend. So I've got to get into the mindset that I hate you. Um, yeah. And the way I do that is listen to music. I move around, get my body in state. But what I didn't know, because I'd never had friends look at me when I did this, is I had my headphones on. I was zoning. I was in the zone. I was moving around, like moving my body, getting my stretches done and all this, that, the other. My friends were like, you had the biggest grin on your face. I was like, really? I was like, yeah. They were like, you were smiling ear to ear. They are like, you were looking forward to a goddamn fight and a goddamn challenge. I was like, yeah. They are like, this is why you you like business. Whenever you're in a rut, put a challenge in front of you. And I truly believe um, Eugene Schwartz said this best. If you want to learn how to write quickly and write uh, effectively, set a 33-minute time uh, with 33 seconds and yep. write without editing. Just write, write, write. doesn't matter what you write. Just keep writing because at the end of that 33 minutes, stop, look at what you've written for, for about five minutes, reset that timer, and go again. And keep yep. doing that until you're done. And yep. it's incredible how that works. Now I'm trying know, to remember, did, did Bond tell the story of how Gary wrote the, uh, the, the coat of arms? letter yeah. that made him so much money yeah you yeah, know somebody put a gun to your head and yeah. said this is it you know you got this the this is the letter or we're going to blow your brains out and it's a very graphic um example but you know it sometimes was. that's what i do with myself when i've got to write something or you know I'm, I'm 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 banging my head against the wall you know it's interesting i know you experience this and i'm sure the listeners do the rate of change uh, you know, within the marketing and, and, and sales, uh, game is, it is, I mean, you got to hit the ground running every morning yeah. to keep up because what works, um, you know, today is not what worked 10 years ago and more importantly, vice versa. Um, one of the things that people used to always ask me about speaking was, well, tell us the story of how you got in the business. Tell us the story of how you got started. Well, how I got started in 1998 is frankly fucking irrelevant yep. in 2017. <laughs> um, quite, quite honestly, you know, how people were doing it in 2010 is irrelevant. How people were even doing it in 2013 is irrelevant in 2017. And, um, 
you know, part of the part of that whole game is is keeping up with the fight of of that internal um, certainty need that 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 we all have. Of I think I know how it's done. I have a friend that um, is is owns a about a forty million dollar a year um, service industry business in in New Jersey. So heating, air conditioning, plumbing, that type stuff. You know, like like blue blue collar type stuff. And he has brought a level of excellence and mastery to it to the point that. Other people in his industry started looking to him as as a leader. It's a very underserved market. Um, you know, you got a lot of lot of guys out there in trucks running around fixing people's toilets and wiring and stuff like that. And it's a it's a vital part of our society. Yet there's nobody there who's really a strong leader. And this guy is just a total total badass. In fact, he'd make a great guest for you sometime. And um, he, you know, he has this this um, ability to stay up to the moment with that one industry. He doesn't try to step out of that industry. He tries to stick right in there. And, and, uh, um, he is, uh, he's, he is, he's, he's an incredible, incredible master in his own right. And uh, an incredible martial artist. I uh, have never really, uh, I never really took to martial arts, but, uh, I was always I was always a little more scrappy, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine so. Um, but yeah, dude, totally introduce us. I'd, be, I'd love to have him on the show. I'm yeah, sure he definitely. Can a couple of great stories. And he's now, a great guy. So something you said that really resonated with me. It's true how times change all the time. But I think there is timeless lessons, and timeless lessons are again, I, again, I hate the word is authenticity, but let's just say it's yeah. truth. Being yeah. truthful. Being honest, and I love the way that you work is in like, you know, out of every 10 people that come in, four of them I choose to make an offer to because that's a level of mastery that many people don't even get to. Most people are more concerned about, I get 10 people, I need to close nine of them, even if they're not the right fit. Right. Which right. is stupid. My philosophy is I'd rather, like, again, something that I'll reveal on here. Anyone listening to this, if you're a consultant, use it. I don't mind. It's one that I created. It's one that I love using. I like buying ads for my clients, sending them to a video sales letter. And that yep. video sales letter, hi, my name is Alyssa. Hi, my name is Joe Williams. I'm a speaker, trainer. This is all the stuff I do. This is all my content. At the end, your pitch is essentially, so to work with me is whatever amount it is, you know, all this, that, the other. But here's the thing. Um, you can click the order button below, get started right away. That's awesome. You go through the full spiel of the pitch. And right at the end, you say, by the way, if you don't see an order button, rather what you're seeing is a wait list, just enter your name and email address below. You're not going to get spammed. All I'm going to do is I'm going to put you on a waiting list specifically that opens up so we can speak. I just Absolutely. want to get to know you. Yep. And the first the first email that you send out is, hey, my personal favorite is, welcome to the family, because I always like to pe wel pe welcome people to what they feel like is a family show uh, or just like a get together and stuff like that i mean hell i redesigned the this podcast's um imagery today for like its show and i sent it to a friend they're like this isn't you i was like why is that they're like this looks like business saddle you're not business saddle you're goofy dumbass saddle that everyone loves i was like sweet that's changing the image today but my point is i send that email out and i have that same kind of goofiness in my emails like hey welcome to the family thanks so much for being here uh you are on a waiting list specifically for this thing 
uh, right now we're either we're full or I want to talk to you send me an email back with these three items I want to know what your name is what your business is how long you've been doing it and your biggest struggle and the fourth thing send me your contact details as well I want to get on the phone with you or I want to get on Skype with you I want to have dialogue with you yep you'd be surprised how many people mail back to you yep. and you just have a conversation with them now the rest of that funnel is building up credibility and authority and just saying hey do you mind if I send you some stuff through email like yeah because i do like email it's essentially just send credibility stuff like this is who i am this is the client results i've got here's some great information you can actually use right now uh if you're not in a position to work with me here's someone that i want you to work with uh and then like a week or two later you make an off you just send out an email just saying hey um if you still want to speak to me on the phone and see if we can move forward let's get on the phone if not no worries about it let me know and so on and so forth and you just open up the doors to speak to people and get people to sign up with you but what you're yep. doing essentially is you're not trying to get as many people on that waiting list as possible. You're trying to get as little people on that waiting list as possible. So when you speak to them, you know they're A, qualified, and B, you've spoken to them so you can qualify them yourselves to know this person's telling the truth. They're the type of person I want to work with. So you move forward. Makes life a lot yep. more fun. Yep, yep. You know, we have an app, like an application process people go through uh, before I ever talk to them to make sure it's even remotely a fit. And it's very similar to what you just said. One thing that is really interesting that I added in was, um, so, you know, it's kind of, you know, name and, you know, email, all that stuff. Uh, don't worry, I'm not going to spam you type thing. And then, um, you know, what are you after? What, what are your goals? What, what, that's obvious. And then um, why haven't you accomplished them yet type thing, just like you said. And then I added in a line, which was, it's been really interesting, the responses. I, Wait, Joe, we, we watched that for a second. Can you say that line again? And sure. I said, um, so after the, uh, the line about, you know, what's been stopping you, what's been holding you back, why haven't you done it yet type thing, I put in a second one that says, seriously, why haven't you done this yet? Wow. That's a really interesting answer people give to that because you get the real fucking truth. Like their first one is usually fluff. The seriously, come on, be real. Why haven't you done this yet? And the one thing I'm really looking for in that, um, at least for me, and you know, take this for what it's worth, what I'm looking for is personal responsibility versus blaming others. Yeah. So if I get somebody saying, you know, well, my wife has been telling me I can't spend the money to blah, 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 that I, I know we're going to be in trouble uh, because I have a job that I, you know, doesn't allow me the time to blah, 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 blah. You know, if they're blaming something other than themselves, what I love is when I get one that says, uh, as I re recall, one of my, one of my uh, uh, clients wrote, dude, I'm scared. All right, <laughs> I'm, I'm scared to speak. Come on, help me out. <laughs> you know, that's what I like is, is ownership and personal responsibility in that why haven't you done it yet category. But you kind of have to dig, I think, a, a level deeper, at least I've found. Yeah, uh, you, you have to go deeper. Um, again, just something like I'm in a bad bones on, on the show right now is I'm kind of going through a bit of an identity crisis right now. And the identity crisis, I've like spent the last 15 and a half years of my existence, more than half my life, as this copywriter. 
ever since I've been in business, I've been adult copywriter, the response guy. He does all this great stuff. Um, and what shook me was when I switched over to consulting and that product creating all that the other. And I'm finding that it's kind of like, I, even when I was creating the damn products, I was still taking on writing clients. And now I'm not taking on any writing clients. I mean, that, that business is done. Yeah. Um, what it is that like, I'm finding that I'm not able to transfer, I'm not able to transfer that same tenacity over because of whatever reason, like I'm waking up later. I don't want to work out on days. Like I go to the gym, I come home, I don't do any work. Yeah, I'm basically goofing off. Yep. I, I sent this message to, again, my buddy, Alex Sharfin, who I'm going to introduce you to as soon as we finish this call. And I said to him, Alex, uh, I need your help, buddy. Uh, bro, I just need your help. This is what I'm feeling. How do I deal with it? And his response was incredible. He didn't turn me away. His response was, dude, it's great hearing from you, but don't pull any punches. Don't edit to make it sound good. How the fuck are you feeling? Yeah. Tell me. And I went on this type, like this tirade of typing out the stuff. As I'm typing it out, I hit send. I reread the message, and I look at it and I go, "Holy shit! This is the most bare bones answer I've ever given to another human being about why I've not been able to do something." Yeah. And his response was, "You got the answer. Now go get the damn. Now, now go fulfill it." Yep. It's incredible. Which kind of brings me to my favorite, one of my favorite questions on the show. It's one of the new questions we've added. Um, quite simply, when you were actually hitting rock bottom, because I know every entrepreneur has hit this, where they hit confidence rock bottom, not financial, sure. not like that, where the confidence is rocked to their very core. What did you do to get yourself back up and excel? That's my first question to you. Hmm. That's again, that's interesting because you know, it's happened more than once. Um, yep. and, uh, you know, different times I think called for different things. So, uh, you know, I remember one time I found, um, as, as cliche as it's going to sound, I found incredible inspiration and, and peace in being in nature, hiking. Uh, I went through a period of time where I was ultra running and adventure racing and things like that. So this was a little after that. And I would just go out and I would just be with I remember walking along one day and, and, and thinking to myself, I'm just going to give all my problems to that tree, which is kind of a stupid thing to think, but it worked. Um, the one other thing that I could tell you that really made a difference at one point was I, I went out for a hike. It was right around the same time, went out for a hike and I listened to, um, a comedian's standup routine, the entire hike. And I got done and I was laughing so hard. I, I came home and I bought the URL. I, I've let it go now. I bought the URL, giftsfromuranus.com. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Thinking to myself, you know what? If we could just figure out, here's what I believe. Um, Adel, I believe that when we laugh at our problems, they shrink. Yep. And one of the greatest things we have on our side when we hit rock bottom is to figure out a way to laugh at the unlaughable. No matter how heretical it may seem, I don't even know if that's a word, uh, you know, no matter how taboo, maybe is a better way to put it, it may seem. Uh, and sometimes it's very difficult. I, I don't mean to belittle a problem, uh, but to find the humor in that which is insurmountable 
is an incredible, incredible healing modality and, 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 and gift to give, give yourself. Um, that's been one of the biggest things, honestly. Um, uh, when I need to get out of a funk or, or something, I go laugh. And, uh, um, I just, you know, you just pull, you pull a new meaning out of your ass. And, um, that was kind of my, going to be my whole idea with the site at the time. Uh, it never came to fruition cause I was working on other projects, but yeah, that was, that was it. Uh, I mean, going back to, you know, Tony one Oh one, um, yeah, I don't know how familiar you with his work, um, Extremely. but, uh, you know, how we feel at any moment in time, you're probably familiar with what's called the triad. Um, yep. in his work, um, how we feel at any moment in time is a combination of three things. Number one, our physiology, or in other words, I like to say our biochemistry. So, you know, and I'm not just talking about, you know, the, the, the things we put into our body, but how we breathe, how we stand, how we move, how we, our facial expressions, all those things, uh, obviously have an effect, uh, on our biochemistry as, you know, has become more popular with the book presence and, and things like that now that are, that are out. Um, and then secondarily, our, our language, what we're saying to ourselves um, over and over again. I had a friend years ago who just kept, she kept, started saying this weird language pattern of, I'm just so sad that blah, 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 blah. I'm just so sad that this happened. Just so sad that that happened. And within about three or four months, she was in a deep depression. And I pulled yeah. her aside and I said, look at what the fuck you're saying. So language and then focus, what we focus on, where we're, where, what we're noticing, what we're looking at, what we're watching, what we're reading, what we're, you know, all the things that, that, that shape our focus, those three things really shape how we feel at any moment in time. And so shifting one of those is, is a great, you know, uh, way to do it. I, myself personally, I have my own equation. I call it the impact equation. I created it for myself. Oh gosh, probably 15 years ago. Um, cause I, I needed a way for myself to look at, okay, if there's a breakdown in my business, I need a simple formula to go to and look at to say, you know, where's the breakdown? <clears throat> Excuse me. So the impact equation is very simple. It's imagination, imagination, mindset, creativity, resourcefulness, all the things that go along with that. So imagination times influence. And that doesn't just mean our ability to influence. It means our circle of influence. Who are we spending time around? Our peer group. So imagination times influence times imperfect action. In other words, hustle. Just getting out there and fucking doing it. And, and failing and succeeding and failing and succeeding and failing and succeeding. And that is what really determines, at least in my business and our business, your business now, our impact and our income. And if there's ever a breakdown in impact and income, you can always go back to one of those three. In fact, I, I do a, a full course on this now um, to help people isolate. Where's my breakdown? You know, is it in imagination, mindset, resourcefulness, creativity, um, you know, realizing the opportunities that are around me and, and, and really looking for them, finding options, or is it in my influence, either my ability to influence, um, 
to sell, to market, however you want to put it, or in my circle of influence. Have I, you know, closed myself off to some cabin in, uh, you know, the Rockies and, 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 and I'm not ever talking or seeing anyone and I'm wondering why my business isn't taking off? Or is it just in, I'm afraid to take action because things aren't perfect? Um, you know, I, I always say, you know, for myself, better done than perfect. And so imperfect action, hustle, just raw, sheer, getting out there and rocking it. Um, and between one of those things, you can always find the breakdown and uh, then hopefully correct it. That is very true. That's incredible. Now, again, I'm going to go to the, my favorite question of all time. And again, you've answered, I, I love and hate you simultaneously right now because you've actually <laughs> answered like a couple of the things I would say that I, would, I was going to ask. So I'm well, going to take what you said. I'm going to take what you said. I bet I have a couple of different ways that I can answer them. So go ahead. Feel free. Probably. You've been in sales all your life, damn it. It's going to have like three or four ways to turn this. <laughs> oh, man. I just oh, – that's the worst. Oh, my God. My brain just went to Joe can turn a trick. Hey. <laughs> that is like – no. Hey, you can turn not, a phrase. You're not taking into account 25 years of doing interventions with Tony Robbins either. So <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so that's another thing. Oh, my God. That's insane. But like the, my favorite question of all time still is, if you had to offer three pieces of advice to this group of people, yeah, what would you say? Now, the groups of people are three types of people. It could be the same piece of advice, could be different. You can tailor make it whatever you want. Essentially, it's the type of it's the person that is now dubbed the entrepreneur, which I don't like that title, but it's the best fitting where they want right. to do something, but they're in a job that they're, they're trying to get a side hustle going, but they don't have the means quite yet, but they want to do it. The second is for the entrepreneur that's failing. You know, the one that's basically like, I'm running into a brick wall. I don't know what's going on. What what am I not doing? Uh, and the third, and they're running out of resources and money like crazy, but still, like the third one is the entrepreneur that's hit a plateau in their business. They're like, I'm well, but I've hit a plateau. I'm no longer happy. I don't know what's going on. I don't know how to grow. And it's starting to make them sad because no matter what they do, they can't hit growth. So what three pieces of advice would you give to those people? All right. Um, just making some notes here as we talk. What was the second? Can you tell me the second one again, please? The second one is the entrepreneur that's kind of running headfirst into a wall, losing money and not really getting anywhere. Like they've got some success, but not a ton. Okay. I have done all three of these. So, uh, that's so, to ask. So, group one. Um, they're, they're in a job. They want to make the jump. Um, the one, my biggest piece of advice would be, um, don't, you know, some people in that situation are big fans of the burn the bridges strategy. So walk away from what you've got and just go all in on your dream. Um, I am not a fan of that. I've got a really good friend who, again, would make a, he'd, he'd probably make an amazing uh, uh, guest sometime. He's an older gentleman named Keith Cunningham. Uh, Keith and I worked together at Wealth Mastery with Tony for 10 years. Did, um, did Keith, Keith wrote a book, didn't he, about start, running companies profitably? Yes, Keys to the Vault. Extremely the successful entrepreneur. 
uh, one of my best friends in the world, uh, mastermind partner, um, just an amazing, amazing, amazing man and mentor. And he has a saying, which is don't cut off your feet before you have to run a marathon. So um, the whole notion of quit your job and just dive right in, I'm not a big fan of. Um, you know, it's not pretty, uh, but, uh, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk probably says it the best. Um, you know, work your day job, come home, have dinner, kiss the kids, uh, pet the dog, do all that, and then from nine till one, make make a big uh, dent in the universe. Um, it's again, it's not pretty. It's, it's a lot of work, but um, I've seen a lot of people really, really, really uh, go under from the whole burn the bridges strategy, where they leave their job. And they jump full force into something that is unproven, unprofitable, uh, um, and uh, you know they go bankrupt in the process. Not a big fan of that. So, um, you know, dig in and uh, find a way to carve out, be it weekends, be it whatever. Um, but 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 don't cut your feet off before the marathon starts, because building a business is going to be a marathon. Yep. Um, the second one, uh, they're losing money. Um, boy, this is a this is a toughie because um, while I am obviously a giant proponent of persistence, I also believe there's a tipping point where persistence uh, turns into, for lack of a better term insistence that I'm right when maybe it's time to cut your losses and go do something else. Um, I, I, I see a lot of people go down with the ship um, when they could have said, you know what? I just made a bad decision or I just, I just, you know, I didn't know what I was getting into, and uh, and they're not willing to admit they were wrong about what it was that they were trying to endeavor to do. Now, if persistence is really what's necessary, then you persist. There's no doubt about that. But, uh, um, you know, probably if they're losing money, I'd go back to that impact equation uh, piece and start to look at, okay, where's the breakdown? Is it in my imagination how this thing is laid out, my resourcefulness, my creativity, my mindset? Is it, you know, is it in my circle of influence? Do I need to get my message out there in a bigger way? Or do I need to do it in a more um, relevant way in 2017? Again, you know, I, I don't know Gary. Uh, we have a lot of mutual friends. But I, I, there's one thing that Vaynerchuk says that I love which is the reason most businesses fail is because they're not fucking doing business in the year we live in. And I <laughs> yes. think that's incredibly, incredibly insightful. Um, you know, we've touched on that a couple of times here as we, as we've been talking about relevance and so forth, but it really comes down to that. You know, they're still trying to do business in, in, in 2010, some system they, you know, learned from some, you know, speaking guru who, who made their business work in 2010 and they're still teaching the same system. Or, you know, consulting guru, and they're still teaching the same way they did in 2008. Um, 
you know, they're not doing business in the year we live in. Um, so really look at that as well. Um, and then the final one, as far as, um, how was it that you put the final one again? So I make sure I'm completely on target. These are the ones that basically hit that plateau. Like oh. they're starting to become unhappy with where they're at because they can't grow. Yep. Yep. So, um, they need a couple of things. Um, They need some new voices around them in most cases, um, if that makes sense. So in other words, they need to, they need to meet some new people. Uh, join a new mastermind group. Um, you know, when I came out of the world of Robbins and I was changing everything that I did, and by the way, I can totally relate to your identity crisis piece because, you know, I had 20 years on the road where, you know, I'd, I'd be on the road, I'd be on – I'd come home and I would do nothing for the week that I was off. You know what I mean? Except re recoup. And then suddenly I'm not on the road anymore. And it took me almost a year to really find my new, my new groove, my new, my new, uh, uh, sweet spot in doing that. And, um, a lot of what it took was getting around the, you know, group of people that you and I talked about, you know, uh, Ryan and Travis and, 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 and all the other people in the mastermind that I was in, Mike that I was talking about, who owns the service business, um, you know, Russ Rafino, Alex Chengho, um, uh, Satyan Raja, all, all these people that became friends, mastermind partners and mentors of mine. So new voices, um, they need some imagination. They need some new ideas, uh, books, audios, podcasts, big fan of, I mean, if I were starting over again today in 2017, I would start with a podcast that there is no doubt about that. Um, it's one of the reasons I do so many of them as get as a guest and, um, then new questions. People really underestimate sometimes, um, when they need to get things restarted, the power of a new question, a new powerful question that leads them in a new direction or or leads them down a new road. Um, and then the final thing I would say is just test, 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 test the hell out of everything that you can um, that you've never done before. Something's going to catch traction. Yep, usually does catch his heat. But yeah, thank you so much for being on here, Joe. I really appreciate you taking the time today. Um, guys, go check out everything Joe is doing at creativeperformancegroup.com. Also, joewilliamsonline.com. Reach out to him if he can help you as a business. And wow. Yeah, dude, I look forward to having you as a guest in the future again because this is incredible. I would, I would be delighted to. Thank you very much. You're very welcome, guys. Take care, and I'll see you next week on another episode of Adela Marcy Unplugged.